Battle of the Queens, Catherine of Aragon and Margaret Tudor. The Battle of Flodden, which took place in Northumberland over 500 years ago, is not only a story of fighting men. It is also a tale of two queens, Margaret Tudor, Queen of Scots, who lost her husband in the battle on 9th September 1513, and Catherine of Aragon, Queen and Captain General of the English army that killed him. It is a story of a devastating defeat, but also of ultimate triumph. I am the historian Leander Delisle, uncovering the Tudors and Stuarts behind the myths. For Margaret Tudor, the Battle of the Queens began in August 1513, when she bid her husband James IV of Scots farewell at Linlithgow Palace, West Lothian. Legend has it that she begged her husband not to leave her and was angry that he intended to make war on her brother, Henry VIII. In reality, her chief concern was for her husband's life. Born an English princess, she was, as she often asserted, a Scotswoman now. The relationship between the royal brothers-in-law had broken down after Henry VIII had claimed that he was the rightful overlord of Scotland. A furious King James was determined to punish him, and when Henry had led his army into France in June 1513, looking for glory in a continental war, James had decided to plan his own invasion of England. Having parted from Margaret Tudor, James crossed the border into Northumberland on 24th August at the head of the greatest army ever gathered in Scotland. Fortress after fortress fell to the Scottish king, but Henry VIII was certain his wife, Catherine of Aragon, would be a match for James. She was the daughter of Queen Isabella of Castile, who had thrown the Moors out of Spain. He had made her captain general of his armies in England in his absence, and Catherine, busy organising artillery and gunners, wrote to reassure him that she was ready for the fight and my heart is very good to it. Not that Catherine underestimated James. The French had trained large numbers of his men in the use of the Swiss pike, fearsome weapons 18 to 22 feet long that could stop a cavalry charge in its tracks. When her battlefield commander, the Earl of Surrey, reached James's army at Flodden, Catherine was already preparing a defensive line further south in case Surrey lost to the Scottish king. The Battle of Flodden began after days of appalling weather, with the Scots pikemen advancing down Brankston Hill. The wind and rain battered them, and the soft ground broke up their formation, but they remained in good order, walking in eerie silence. The English described them as Germanic. At Linlithgow Palace, Margaret Tudor could only await news from the battlefield. A room in the northwest tower with sweeping views across open countryside is that at which, in romantic tradition, Margaret scanned the horizon for the expected messengers. Rumours of many dead reached Edinburgh on 10th September, and it was not long before Margaret learned the full and terrible story. The English had counterattacked the pikemen on foot using the bill, a simple hook on the end of a pole. This allowed them to strike the Scots at close quarters. But, one Englishman complained, the Scots were 
such large and strong men, they would not fall when four or five bills struck them. A desperate struggle had been fought, with great slaughter, sweating and travail on both sides, before the battle had ended in defeat for the Scots. Ten thousand of them lay slain. The prime of our land, cold in the clay, is how they are remembered in the piper's lament, the flowers of the forest, which is still played today at the funerals of fallen servicemen. The dead included ordinary men, earls, lords and even bishops, but the most significant was Margaret's husband. His body had fallen near the royal Scottish banner of the Red Lion Rampant. King James's left hand was almost severed, his throat gashed and an arrow was shot through his lower jaw. Surrey was rewarded for the English victory over James with the restoration of the family title, Duke of Norfolk, and chose a new augmentation to his heraldic arms. Still used by the family, it recalls the spectacle of James's corpse, a red lion rampant with an arrow through its head. That night, the English soldiers, who had lost 4,000 of their own countrymen, toasted their victory with Scottish beer, which they commented was surprisingly good. Catherine of Aragon, meanwhile, wrote to her sister-in-law to reassure her. Queen of England, for the love she bears the Queen of Scots, would gladly send a servant to comfort her in her grief. But to Henry, Catherine expressed a rather different emotion. Pride that she had helped to kill a king. Catherine had wanted to send James's head to France, but, she complained, her Englishman's hearts would not suffer it. Instead, she sent Henry the chequered surcoat taken from James's body, which she suggested he use as his banner. Looking at it in France, all rent and torn with blood, Henry said that James had paid a heavier price for his perfidy than we would have wished. And years later, when Henry planned to divorce Catherine and marry Anne Boleyn, he remembered what she had done. She was the one wife of whom he was truly afraid, and he recalled with trepidation her ability to carry on a war as fiercely as her mother had done in Spain. James's body was brought to London from Flodden and paraded through the streets slung over a horse. Catherine received it at the Carthusian Monastery at Sheen, and later, at Henry's request, the Pope gave permission for it to be buried at St Paul's. Henry never buried James, and in the reign of his daughter Elizabeth I, the body was still at Sheen, where it was found cast into an old waste room amongst old timber, stone, lead and other rubble. Later, some Elizabethan workmen cut off James's head for their foolish pleasure. It still had his red beard when a Londoner rescued it, keeping it in his house, saying it smelled nice. Eventually, he had it buried at St Michael's Church, Wood Street, in the City of London. The church burned down in the Great Fire of 1666, and today a pub marks the burial spot of the last king to die in battle on British soil. Margaret Tudor's life after her husband's death was not to be an easy one. Under the terms of James's will, his most dearest spouse became regent of Scotland for their infant son, James V making her the first Tudor woman to rule a kingdom. But it was a position from which she was soon ousted. The Scots never really forgave her for being English-born. 
It was through Margaret, however, that the Scottish crown would eventually triumph over that of England, for in dynastic matters, having children was still more important than winning battles. It was Margaret, and not Catherine of Aragon, whose heirs would carry forward the royal bloodlines of England, as well as Scotland. In 1603, on the death of Elizabeth I, Margaret's great-grandson united the crowns of England and Scotland as James VI and I. The ghosts of Flodden were laid to rest at last, with peace between the once warring kingdoms, a victory for all. If you are interested in reading more about Margaret Tudor or Catherine of Aragon, their stories are all covered in my biography of the dynasty called simply Tudor. And do feel free to ask me any questions via my website, Facebook or Twitter.